0: My name is Mark Schumer, I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here, and uh, like Pastor Tim said, we are launching a new series today, and it is called All Authority, All Authority. And so we are going to be preaching over the next eight weeks or so in the Gospels, and we are going to see that there is none greater, none more capable, none more powerful than Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all, and all authority is rightly His. Amen. Well, that's where we're going. So let me start with this uh, little story here, or I guess observation. The last month or so was uh, graduations going on, right? A lot of maybe, maybe many of you went to a graduation in May here, or June, and uh, part of the graduation ceremony is the commencement speech. And uh, there's all types and varieties of speeches, if you've noticed, there's, you know, humorous, inspirational, educational, there's sometimes silly or downright weird, really. Uh, But the idea or the main idea of the commencement speech is to send uh, students off with a bit of a charge. To send them off with purpose and wisdom and hope and direction for their lives, for their future, so that they could do great things. Well, the passage ahead of us today in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is going to give a fantastic speech to his disciples. Listen, he had chosen them. And he had discipled them. He had spent much time with them. And now he's going to be sending them off on a mission into the world. He's not going to be with them face to face much longer. He's going to ascend to heaven. And so he rallies them all together on this mountain. And he sends them off, listen, with wisdom and hope and purpose and direction for their future and for their lives. So go ahead and go to Matthew 28. We're going to be in verses 16 to 20. And as you're getting there, I just want you to know that what you're going to see in this passage here today is you're going to see this incredible claim by Jesus that all authority is his. And then you're going to see this really important command that he's going to give to his disciples to make disciples of all nations. And then you're going to see Jesus' comforting promise that he is always with us to the very end. The title of the message today is called, All Authority in Heaven, and earth. Matthew 28, 16 to 20 is uh, where you should be. And if you're taking notes, let me kick it off with this. Number one, see Jesus as he is and worship him. See Jesus as he is and worship him. So look at verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So let me just say something by way of context here before we just jump into the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28 here. Um, Matthew 1 starts with the birth of Jesus Christ and at the end, Matthew 28 ends with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the middle of all of this, we see Jesus Christ as Lord, as Messiah, as King over everything. And so by the time we hit our passage today in verse 16 of Matthew 28, the disciples had already spent hours walking with Jesus, right? Years, really, being with him. And I just wrote this down. The disciples saw Jesus heal many. They watched him calm a storm, really, that they thought they were going to die in. They watched Jesus, in a moment, calm the storm. They watched him walk on the water out to them. They saw him feed thousands of people by miraculous ways, right? Right? Uh, turning food and things, multiplying it, that there's baskets and baskets left over. They also watched him speak when he was being challenged. Speak with wisdom and authority as he rebuked the religious leaders as they attacked him. Listen now, they watched him ride into Jerusalem, didn't they? And they saw him there as as the mob or the crowd came to arrest him. And they saw his arrest and his mistreatment. And the disciples also watched Jesus die on the cross. They were there, Luke's gospel says, watching, right? Some up close and some from afar, but they were there and they're watching Jesus take his last breath. They saw him get laid in the tomb. And at that point, for the disciples, look, this, this really was the worst moment they they felt like they had suffered their worst defeat their beloved teacher now is dead how how could he be the promised messiah how how could he set up an everlasting kingdom how how could he do he's gone he's been defeated he's dead but then the unbelievable happened and we rejoice over it three days later right he's risen from the dead And and the women go and they show up at the tomb and they think it's going to be covered by a stone, but the stone is rolled away and they shockingly see an angel right there before them. And the angel says, he's not here, for he is risen as he said. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Our God is alive. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. The grave could not hold him. He is in charge. There is nothing out of his hand. So now he begins to appear to them, the resurrected Savior. He appears to Mary Magdalene, the other women. He appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appears to Peter. And then he appears to the ten disciples, right, without Thomas. And then eight days later, he appears to the ten plus Thomas, so all eleven. And Jesus had said a number of times throughout, if you read the Gospels, he's, he tells them a number of times to go ahead of him and meet him in Galilee. Go go ahead of me and meet me in Galilee. So now back to Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17. Where are they? On a mountain in Galilee. Isn't this great? They're on a mountain in Galilee. And so verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This is purposeful. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. We're going to get to that. All 11 disciples are there, right? Judas is no longer, so you got the 11 disciples and they're there on the mountain in Galilee. And this is sometime, church, before the ascension of Jesus Christ. This is not connected to it. So the ascension of Christ was 40 days after his resurrection and that is going to happen. Uh, it did happen near Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, okay? And we don't know the exact time. So this is on a mountain in Galilee and this is maybe a week or two before. Where, like I said, we're not really sure But not connected with the ascension. This is a different time. And so they are all there, the 11 disciples. They go to the mountain. Jesus had directed them there. Verse 17 tells us this now. And when they saw him, you can imagine, right? There he is. They see him. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They see Jesus again, the resurrected Christ, the Messiah. God Almighty is right there. They can see him. He's right before their eyes. He's there. And, and, it, and it says that they saw him, and it says that they worshipped him. Everybody say, yes. yes. But some doubted. Everybody say, no. <laughs> so close, right? Interesting. Interesting. Some got it right. Some got it wrong. And so it's really we do need to talk about this, right? This is something that I was studying this week, is like, what does this mean? That some doubted. It says that they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love the honesty of the Bible. right? God tells it like it is. And here they see Jesus Christ, and they worship, but some in their hearts are doubting. I think it is important to know that this is not like a total rejection of Jesus Christ. Like, you're a fake. You're, you're, you're not the Savior. We're not following anymore. We're done with you. It's not... Like that. The idea here uh, of doubt in the uh, really churches in the normal sense. Let's um, say it this way they were unsure. They wanted a little bit more convincing. They're like, what in the world is happening? So this is not like outright rejection, but just give us a little bit more proof. In fact, the word doubt, you can write this down. A little definition here the word doubt means to be of two minds. So you can kind of see it there, right? A little doubt, a little faith. It's to be of two minds. Another way to say it would be uh, to waver or to hesitate. A little bit of waver, a little bit of hesitate. To be of two minds. They, They all wanted to believe, but some were struggling with doubt. They had a little bit less faith. They wanted a little bit more proof. That's the scene. So back in 1997, I got to meet John Elway and For you non-sports fans, John Elway uh, was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, two-time Super Bowl winner, and uh, elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, what happened was my sister was working at a restaurant, kind of in a hotel in Naperville, and she called me one day and she's like, Mark, they had this big celebrity sports golf outing down the road, and they're all here at the restaurant now hanging out. I can get you in here if you want to come over. I mean, Jim McMahon's here, and Mario Lemieux's here, and Mark... Uh, John Elway's here. Do, do you want to come over? I can get you in. Uh, let me think about it. Yeah, I want to come. So uh, I'll be there in 30 minutes. So I get there and uh, walk into the restaurant. I go over by my sister and I'm looking and, and literally just a few feet away is John Elway and he's standing there talking to some of his sports star friends, I guess. And I don't want to just walk over and say something stupid. So I do what any sports fan would do. I waited till he got up and went to the bathroom and I followed him in. <laughs> So I follow him in the bathroom, and I'm kind of pretending to wash my hands, and uh, then I go out and I stand by the door. I'm not a total creep, so I'm standing outside by the door, and and he comes out, and I kind of step in front of him, and I was like, John Elway, it's so great to meet you. I'm a big fan and uh, love the Denver Broncos, and so he, i got to say, couldn't have been more gracious. He shook my hand, and we talked for a moment, and he was excited to hear that there was somebody that actually was a fan of his in the Chicago area, And uh, I said, good luck, and he went off, and it was a great moment for me, and John Elway maybe, but for me. (laughs) Now here's the thing. What if after meeting him, I walked back to my sister, and I was like, hey, thanks so much for letting me in, this was great, but I just want you to know, I, I don't really think that's John Elway. Like, I just don't think it's him. Like, yeah, I I looked him in the eye. It looks like the same guy as on TV. And I recognized the voice and I shook his gigantic hand. And we talked about football. We talked about the Broncos. We talked about him being a quarterback. But I just need a little bit more proof. I'm going to go over and ask him to see his driver's license or at least give me a football. I'm going to have him throw a five-yard out or a curl or something. I just have to know. I need a little more proof. be ridiculous. That's kind of what's going on here on this mountain in Galilee. With the disciples. Jesus is standing right there before them. They can see him with their own eyes. They're looking right at him. And you can imagine the excitement, the hope, the adoration of the disciples. They worshiped him. Of course, he's God Almighty and they're worshiping, but some of them wanted a little more evidence, some doubted. Look, church, an, an empty grave by itself doesn't make for a resurrection. Okay, an empty grave by itself doesn't make for a resurrection. But they have more than an empty grave. They have God Almighty standing right before them. Jesus is alive. They have so much more and so do we. Jesus Christ is the living God. You can believe it. The disciples would go on to believe it and they would live and give their life for Jesus Christ. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to be of two minds. You don't have to hesitate or waver any longer. You can take God at his word. Jesus Christ is God. He's alive. You can worship him. He's the resurrected savior of the world. So, how's your faith doing? What, as you sit here right now, maybe in your own mind, you can think about a doubt or two or things that come up in your head. I would just encourage you to bring that to God. You know, the Bible says that those who go to him will never be turned away. Bring that to him. In fact, in Matthew's gospel here in chapter 7, Jesus' own words, he says, he says everyone who asks receives. Do you have a question? Do you want to know? Come to me. Everyone who asks receives. He goes on to say, the one who seeks me will surely find me. And so bring it to him. Call upon him. See him as he really is. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. He is Lord of all. He is king. Worship him. Worship him big with all of your life. Don't hesitate. Here's the second thing. Let's keep moving through this uh, passage. And the second point, if you're taking notes, is this. As you follow Jesus, call others to do the same. As you follow Jesus, call others to do the same. So let's keep going in verses 18 to 20. Let me read this for you. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So go back to the scene Right On this mountain in Galilee, 11 disciples in the middle of this scene of worship with some doubting is where Jesus now gives this incredible claim that all authority is his. He, he came to them, it says, and, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Church, I like that word all. All Authority. In fact, I brought a little sign so we wouldn't forget verse 18. All authority, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All. Everybody just say, all, all All authority. So so like some or a little? All right, all authority, he says. All of it. All authority in heaven, all authority on earth. All of it is mine. It's been given to me. All authority. Say that one more time. All. All authority. If you're taking down notes here, let me give you a little definition then for authority. Go ahead and jot this down. The word authority really means right, R I G H T, right and power. Okay? Authority is right and power. All authority. Jesus is God and so he has the right or he has the freedom to do as he pleases, right? And and Jesus is God so he has the power to carry out whatever he wishes because all authority is his, he's in charge, nothing is out of his hand, absolute and unlimited power and right over everything. All this authority has been given to him by the Father, all authority, okay? Jesus is the Lord of all is another way to say it. Jesus Christ is in charge. He is God. He holds it all in the palm of his hand. All authority is his, so nothing is out of his hand, right? All authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus is Lord of all. And So think about how awesome that statement is. Right? We can't just let that go by. As I was studying this week, I was just writing down a few things. Think of it like this. He has authority then over nature, All weather and floods and volcanoes and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. All authority. Everybody say it again. All. All authority. He has authority over all planets, moons, stars, light, energy, motion, time. He has authority over all disease. All authority. I wrote this down. When Jesus speaks, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, disease is gone. All authority. He has authority over Satan. He has authority over all demons. He has authority over all angels. All of it. He has authority over all animals, right? Big and small. Whales and grasshoppers. Bugs and bears. It all, all of it, his. Let's make it a little more personal. He has authority over every life, including yours. Every heartbeat, every breath, every virus, Every sprained ankle, every step, every success, every failure, life and death, he has authority. All authority. Say it again, all. All authority. Has authority over sin and death. He is the resurrection and the life. The Bible says he holds the keys to death and Hades. He has the authority to forgive sin. Right, he is he has overcome sin and death by his blood, by his resurrection. And listen, we know this well, but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is you tell me, Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, all authority is his, it all belongs to him. There is nothing in heaven or on earth that is out of his hand. In all the universe, Jesus has absolute authority over everything. He is in charge. All authority. All authority. Let's not forget it. All. All authority in heaven and on earth. There is none greater, none more capable, none more powerful than Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And all authority is rightly his. So, that's verse 18. And with that is this incredible claim to these disciples standing there, right there on the mountain with him as they hear it from his mouth to them. He now commissions them off to go and make disciples. Tells his disciples to now go and make disciples. But verse 18 is the key. Jesus' authority is the key in all of this. And so he tells them that before he sends them off because the disciples now know what? They don't go in their own power. They don't go in their own authority. They don't go in their own strength. They and we go in the authority of the one who created the world and who redeemed the world and who controls the world, who has all authority, rights, and power to heaven and earth. That is the key to now this important command where he says to those disciples, to go, therefore, And make disciples. Verse 19, see it there? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. If you break down these verses, go ahead and look back at verse 19. The main verb and the central command here, uh, church, is to make disciples. Okay, that, that's what we're called to do. That's the verb. The three participles are how we go about accomplishing that. And that is that we go and we baptize and we teach. So the command here is to these 11 disciples, right? And then also extended to us, right? And think about it. Think about these men standing there, this small little band of 11 guys, right? And here's Jesus saying, go. Go out into all of the nations, into all the world and make disciples. That's also extended to us. Basically, uh, make, uh, make disciples and be a disciple, right? So be a follower, be a disciple, be a worshiper of Jesus Christ and now go and make disciples. So the idea is be a disciple, make a disciple. You could jot that down, just the idea of be one, make one, right? Be one first and then make one, make disciples. What is a disciple? It's a a student, a learner, a follower really. More than that, it's it's a sold out, on fire, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. It's a person that doesn't just obey his teacher but becomes like his master. And so I'm going to give you kind of the breakdown in a second of Go, Baptize, Teach. But I just want to say this is kind of the overarching of this before I go into that. All of us are, go out, are to go out into the world and tell everybody about Jesus Christ, that he's God, right? that he's the Lord of all. Right? We're, we're to tell them about Jesus Christ and we're to, we're to tell them what? To, to turn from their sin and to turn to Jesus Christ by faith, to turn to him, to trust in him. That salvation is found only in Him. That forgiveness is found only in Him. That everlasting life is found only in Him. To turn to Him and be forgiven. To follow Him with all of their heart and all of their life. To worship God alone. That's the call that we have, all of us. And that was the call to those disciples too. And you can imagine, right, their thought. Thinking, I'm going to go out into all the world What's that going to mean as I travel all over the place and tell people, follow Jesus Christ, get away from the idols, get away from the false worship, and go and follow God, follow Jesus? Sounds daunting, right? Sure it did to them. So that's why verse 19 says, go therefore. What's the therefore? Therefore, right? Right? Uh, Again, it links the authority of Jesus Christ, God of all, to this command. I go in his authority. That means I go in his confidence or with his confidence. I belong to him. And now here's the thing. I get the privilege to go and to carry out his plans and his purposes. I get to be used as a tool of his to go and to make disciples. What an awesome privilege that God would even entrust that to us. That's his plan. So I get to be a disciple, worship him all out with all I got, and go and make disciples. So let's look at this briefly and talk about what this means these words go, baptize, teach. Let's look at that. And uh, the first thing there is you're looking at it, it says in verse 19, Go therefore, go therefore and make disciples. There's the command of all nations. So the word go. The word really implies here while you are going. All right, so go kind of means while you're going. The idea is that we're not supposed to wait for the world to come to our doors. We're supposed to go out into the world and to make disciples. And look, here's the thing. For for some, you know, that may mean traveling across, you know, borders and, and oceans. But listen, it also means traveling across the street. It also means traveling across the street. It also means going to dinner with an unbelieving friend and being stretched a little bit out of our comfort zone to speak up for God and to lovingly share the gospel and to tell them about God Almighty, Jesus Christ, who loves them. And I love this because while you are going then gives me purpose every day in my life. It gives me purpose to share Jesus with whoever God brings along my way. So, absolutely 100% yes to all nations, but also yes to my neighbors, my friends, my co workers. Wherever we go, we get to fulfill the mission to be a disciple as people watch our lives and to make disciples as we go. And then it says, baptizing them. Go therefore, verse 19 go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. The Holy Spirit. So I'm to go while I'm going, wherever I go. And now it says I'm to be baptizing them. So the word uh, baptism is closely associated with a decision of faith. The idea here is think conversion, all right? So it's, baptism is a public statement really and a symbol, right, of my death with with Jesus Christ and my new identity, my resurrection with Christ as I'm raised to new life. It's a symbol, it's a statement. All through the New Testament, people believed and then they were baptized, right? So faith first and then baptism. And so the idea here is salvation. And salvation is the starting point For us as disciples. That's why it's we're baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune God. And so I get to go now and listen, and I share the gospel. I I go, and wherever I go, I share the gospel because that's the starting point of our discipleship is our faith in Christ. I go, I share the gospel, and now, really important, I teach. I teach, verses 19 and 20. Go, on there, or go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I get to teach, right? I have to know the word of God as as an on-fire disciple, because now I get to pour that into somebody else. I get to teach them the mission that God gave you and that God gave me isn't just to make converts. It's to make complete disciples, to teach them to observe all that he has commanded us, right? We're we're to teach them to observe all that he's commanded to us. So we pour our lives in, we, we... We teach them the Bible and not just to know it, right, but to live it. Teaching them to not just know, but observe all that I have commanded you, it says. We're to help equip them and train them that they would follow Jesus with all of their heart, with all of their life, continually pouring ourselves into people. That, you see, the the great commission here then, of this, this plan of making disciples, is for the church. That means it's for all of us. Making disciples is the mission of the church. That means it's the mission of every believer. Just go ahead and point to yourself, right? And I am too. We are all to be making disciples. We're to be a disciple and then to make disciples. That means this command to make disciples is not just for pastors or elders or church staff. It's for everybody. And... Uh, Maybe you've read this before and you're like, man, I don't even—I know that these verses even apply to me. Well, here's the thing. Now you know, and here's the great privilege, is it does. These verses totally apply to you and to me. And we have this awesome privilege to go out and to share the gospel and to pour our lives into other people to help teach them to follow Jesus Christ, man. We are here to build the kingdom of God. God's using us for that. What an incredible privilege to be a disciple, to make disciples. And here's the thing, just be you. Man, let God use you. Just be you and let God use you. Be a disciple, make disciples while you're going wherever you go. So, are you going? Are you baptizing, sharing the gospel? Are you teaching? Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you spending time with teaching? Let me just give you here a couple categories to think about before I move on. As I was thinking about this, just think about, as it it relates to making disciples, a couple categories. And the first I thought about was the family, like, so husbands, think about this privilege and this command to make disciples that relates to your family, right? Your wife and your kids, you get the privilege to be able to, sharing the gospel and teaching them day by day what it means to follow Jesus Christ and parents, right? Moms and dads together, teaching your sons and daughters what it means to To know Jesus Christ, to follow Jesus Christ, what an awesome privilege to train them up in the way, right? And if we're training them up in the way that they go, we need to make sure that we're going that way too. So this this whole idea of making disciples in your family, be one, make one. How about this? Just here in the local church, like just are you connected here in community here in this church, uh, growing in your relationship with Christ and helping others? grow as well and what a great place to do that just in our impact groups our small group ministry a place where you're naturally spending time with people and connecting with people and studying the bible together and helping hold each other accountable mutual ministry to follow hard after jesus christ with all we got what a great opportunity to do that here and if you're like man i don't know much about impact groups i'd love to hear more or i'd love to get connected into one Pastor Mike Klopfenstein, who's our impact group's pastor, he'll be down front after the service. He'd love to answer any questions that you might have about that. So families and church, and then the other thing I wrote down was just this area of just everyday life, right? Family, extended family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, just think about ways to be intentional today, wherever God has you, wherever he's placed you, letting him use you just in the everyday, normal circumstances of life. And look, as we go about making disciples, you may be sitting here today, and you may be thinking to yourself, like, I'm, it's kind of a little bit intimidating, Mark, to hear. Like, I don't, like, I don't know, like, what am I supposed to do? And what if I don't know enough? And look, I'm not perfect. Well, here's the thing, I'm not either, and neither were those 11 disciples, right? Here's the thing, if you know Jesus Christ, then you have something to offer, And I just wrote this down, like the whole idea of this passage, guys, is this. You have God's power, you have God's authority, you have God's mission, you have God's word. And listen, this is so amazing as we get to verse 20. You have God's presence to go about doing this. That's the comforting promise that's attached to this command to make disciples as we go in his authority and with his presence. Look at verse 20. Let me read into that. He says, Jesus comes to them. You can get the picture of them on the mountain. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Think of how comforting this is. He's like, behold, check it out. I'm always going to be with you. Just circle that always to the end. Always is the promise to the end. There will never be a moment in your life, not a second that I am not with you. He's saying always, always to the very end. As you go and you make disciples, wherever you go, however hard it may get, some of these men would give their lives for Jesus Christ, right? But he says, I will be with you always to the end. Don't ever doubt it. I'm with you. I love Matthew's gospel. And I love how Matthew bookends this idea here of a personal, almighty, relational God. You know, as he begins in chapter 1, verse 23, Matthew's gospel in chapter 1, he says, He says, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right, Chapter 1, if you go to the end now of Matthew, Matthew 28, 20, his final statement records Jesus' words where Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God with us, I'm with you always to the very end. So as you follow Jesus Christ, as you worship him in a mighty way, Call others to do the same. And as you do that, know that you're going in with His command, in His power, with His authority, and with His presence. He will be with you always. So let me close with this story before we turn to a time of communion together today. But uh, John G. Patton was born in 1824 in Scotland, and he was a missionary. And he was a missionary to a chain of islands in the South Pacific, and the Kind of the 1850s and 1860s time frame. And in his autobiography over and over you read about his faith sustaining him in really just terrifying and frightening times. One of the most powerful paragraphs in his autobiography describes his experience of hiding in a tree actually. He's hiding in a tree at the mercy of an unreliable chief and there's hundreds of angry natives hunting him for his life. And what he experienced there he says was the deepest source of his joy and his courage as he reflected on, remembered, celebrated, and believed, Matthew twenty eight twenty that God would be with him always to the end of the age. And so in his autobiography on page 20, he says, I climbed into the tree that day and was left there alone in the bush. The hours I spent there live all before me as if it were but of yesterday. I heard the frequent discharging of muskets and the yells of the savages. Yet I sat there among the branches as safe as in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly in my soul than when the moonlight flickered among those chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow as I told all my heart to Jesus. Alone, yet not alone. Alone, yet not alone. If it be to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree, to feel again my Savior's presence, to enjoy his consoling fellowship. And then he gives this charge at the end. He says, if you are all alone, all alone in the midnight, in the tree, in the very embrace of death itself, know this, that you have a friend that will never, ever fail you. Alone, church, yet never alone, right? Alone, yet never alone. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Worship him with all of your heart and life and go and tell others to do the same. And as you go, you're going in his authority and with his power and with his presence as he promises to be with you always to the very end. Jesus Christ, Lord of all. All authority is his. Amen?